it's me, Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio, Whew. where we talk about idealism and idealists. And uh, I know you always wait for that intro. I know you do. I know it. And <laughs> where we talk about people working to change the world. And happy Pride to you all. Happy Pride. That's right. It is June. And for much of America and other countries in the world, um, uh, there have been or will be Pride events this month in June. I know it's the middle of the month. It's uh, the 17th, but we've had some take place already. We've got more to come up. And that's certainly true for Minneapolis, where a week from today, on uh, the uh, uh, the 24th of June, well, yep, 24th and 25th, there will be 600,000 people descending upon Loring Park for the Twin Cities Pride celebration. Um, and for part of this show, I thought I'd explain the origins of Pride, okay? I mean, you know, we, how often do you hear about, well, why do they call it Pride? So that you've got some idea of why the month of June um, is so filled with Pride events, and why the month of June and Pride are so very important to the LGBTQ plus community. And as usual, okay, we will have the big interview. And we're going to have the big interview with somebody, I, a, brush, a breath of fresh air. You will just love Sarah. You'll love what she has to say. So there you go. But uh, let's begin with trying to understand the significance of Pride. And to do that, we need to go back to the late 1960s, where in every state except for Illinois, okay, it was essentially illegal to be gay or lesbian. Specifically, except for Illinois, it was illegal to engage in any act that would be considered sodomy. And if you don't know what sodomy is, go check in the dictionary because I'm not going to be defining it here. Moreover, there were other laws such as making it illegal to serve alcohol to anyone identifying as LGBTQ+. And then there were laws against dressing in public in ways that were inconsistent with the gender you were assigned at birth. Parenthetically, I'm going to throw in here, um, you know what? That law may be coming back, much to um, the horror of transgender people, but that may be for, that'll be for another talk. At the same time, okay, back in the late 1960s, okay, uh, there were no laws protecting LGBTQ plus people in employment or with accessing housing or health care. Thus, you could be fired from your job simply for being gay, and there would be absolutely nothing, and I mean that, nothing you could do about that. Now, I grew up in this time, okay, as did many of the humans who are seeing my image right now or hearing my voice. Um, the phrase was homosexual, okay, but usually the terminology was far worse. For gay men, it was the F word. And for lesbians, the D word. Um, and the word queer was a weapon used against people, not a source of identity like today. It wasn't as if there was any kind of effort towards acceptance or inclusion. There was nothing about that. No, it was outright ostracization and banishment. Social othering in the highest form possible. That's what it was like in the 1960s. And I was, in 1969, I was 12 years old. Okay, heading towards 13. And that brings us to June of 1969. And to the scene of a decrepit, sleazy bar in Greenwich Village in New York City. 
The bar was called the Stonewall Inn, and it was owned by the Mafia. The mob would make money by charging extraordinary prices for drinks. Remember, it was illegal to serve gay and lesbian humans alcohol. So they're, make, so they're like, you know, up in the price. If you want alcohol, you're going to have to come here, but you're going to have to pay through the nose for it. But the mob would also keep track of, of, you know, notable people who frequented the bar. And then the mob would blackmail them by threatening to out that person, uh, that customer, to the customer's family or their employer unless they paid the mob money to keep quiet. So, you know, this was a money-making operation for the mob, no doubt. And even though the mafia was also paying off the New York police to let them operate the Stonewall Inn, in the early morning hours of June 28, 1969, so we're talking like 2 o'clock in the morning after midnight on June 28, 1969, a band of police officers raided the Stonewall Inn and began harassing and arresting, arresting patrons. So, I mean, going in, pushing them around, telling them they got to come out, you know, they got the batons, all of that stuff. And at some point, as officers were leading arrestees out of the bar into a paddy wagon, someone on the street threw a bottle at the cops. Um, there are theories about who did it. One of the theories is that it was Marsha P. Johnson, who was a transgender woman. But nonetheless, somebody threw a bottle at the cops. And this triggered others to throw things. And quickly, um, the situation escalated to a full-scale riot. It got bad enough that nine cops locked themselves inside the Stonewall Inn to protect themselves from the mob. <laughs> Soon, however, rioters set fire to the bar. Um, it, they didn't burn it down. It, it survived. But the cops were able to escape the fire. Um, fire was extinguished. Then the next, for the next four nights after that, until July 2nd, a crowd gathered outside the Stonewall Inn, battling the police until things eventually settled down. From the incident, the Gay Liberation Front was founded. Okay, so before Stonewall, no good organized LGBTQ kind of effort, okay? But the Gay Liberation Front was founded as a result of what happened at Stonewall that night on June, June 28, 1969. And it was the beginning of the modern gay rights movement. Now, one year later, on June 28, 1970, 3,000 to 5,000 people, mainly gay men and women, marched 51 blocks from Greenwich Village to Central Park. This was named uh, the Christopher Street Liberation Day March. The Stonewall Inn, uh, just so you know, was located on Christopher Street, okay? Nobody at that point was focusing on the Stonewall Inn as, as much as they were focusing on the street in the neighborhood. Eventually, though, the parade became known as the Gay Pride Parade. The word, and, and that has been, you know, all over the world right now. There are gay pride parades. And the word pride, pride, P-R-I-D-E, was attached because one of the founding activists, Craig Schoonmaker, believed it fit better than saying gay power. Uh, Schoonmaker rationalized that so few people in the world actually have power, but anyone can have pride in themselves. It's a pretty simple concept, pretty radical, but if you think about it, it's true. Regardless of your station, regardless of who you are, what you're doing, if you believe in yourself and if you're living whole as who you really are, regardless of what that is, you're going to have pride in that. 
Okay? And that's how pride stuck. And as they say, uh, the rest is history. 31 years after Stonewall in June 2000, President Clinton officially designated June as Gay and Lesbian Pride Month. Okay? Then in 2016... Um, President Obama signed legislation creating the Stonewall National Monument for the Stonewall in itself and a seven-acre area around the bar. Today, there are pride parades and celebrations in New York, in Toronto, in Sydney, in San Paolo that attract up to five million attendees, Okay, making our pride celebration with 600,000 attendees look a kind of minuscule. Of course, in the 54 years since Stonewall, LGBTQ plus people have become far more visible and numerous. Corporate America has paid attention, and that's what got us to where we are today with gay pride-sponsored events, clothes, vacation spots, and a gazillion other things. So, so you have a social movement that begins with a riot – and then, you know, expel, explodes into capitalism, and you have all of the, all of these. I mean, it li- literally is a gazillion businesses putting pride flags, pride rainbows, pride stickers, whatever onto you know their apparel, talking about the word pride, supporting, sponsoring events, all of that kind of thing. Doing it in part to support the community, but also let's just make sure we understand to make money. But it's recognition that the LGBTQ plus consumer and their allies have dollar clout, that they have power. And that's, you know, I mean, think about how the country has moved, you know, in little more than 50 years from where. LGBTQ plus people were pariahs, social pariahs, to now, you know, being courted and being applauded. Um, and I say all of that, except for the fact that now there is currently a backlash, as you know, if you've listened to this show, which is getting stronger every day. That backlash, you know, remember it's about wokeism. It's about supposedly grooming. It's about in, supposedly indoctrination of children. And I fear that um, that backlash will chill LGBTQ plus rights going forward. I do. I fear that it's that backlash is way more organized than it ever was before. But more on that backlash some other day. We'll have to wait to see what the Supreme Court does with one particular case, which we'll get a ruling on sometime in the next two weeks. But in the meantime, In the meantime, everyone, happy pride. Happy pride to you. Okay, there you go. You now know the history of pride. When we come back, we're going to do this interview with Sarah Hempel. You will love Sarah. Just a breath of fresh air. And then on the C block on the other end, you're going to have me. Okay? Talk about my work as an idealist. All right. Uh, If you like, follow me on Twitter, at Ellie Krug. We'll be back in a second. Thanks. Oh, 
always have to interrupt your dancing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bud. All right. Yeah. So now you got. And we're back. LE 2.0 Radio. Um, again, if you, you know, you've got now the origins of pride, okay? But Google, you know, pride in America and you can learn more from Wikipedia. So there you go. Okay, it's time for the big interview. And I am thrilled, just absolutely thrilled to um, introduce my friend as well as a community builder activist uh, in a small town in Minnesota, Waconia, Minnesota. I have Sarah Hempel on the line. Sarah, how are you? Welcome to LE 2.0 Radio. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. Well, Sarah, I'm thrilled that you are here. And um, and I have you uh, here in, because you and uh, another woman have been very instrumental in getting an LGBTQIA plus uh, social group uh, off the ground. But before we do that, um, I ought, tell my audience a little bit about you, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as Ellie said, my name is Sarah Hempel. Um, my pronouns are she, her. And my wife and I live in Waconia. And I am mom to four kids. I've got two teenagers and I've got twin three-year-old toddlers. So very busy. Um, I work for a company called Blanchard doing some leadership development. And like Ellie said, in the, in the other part of my life, I love um, working with the community to just bring inclusivity and awareness to everyone. So, so you should have used the, the adjective adorable twins. Okay, because I have gotten gotten to meet them and they are just something else. So, Sarah, we've got you here because you and another woman named Elise Bull have taken what I consider a fairly extraordinary step of trying to create an LGBTQ plus IA. I just usually say LGBTQ plus support group, Mm -hmm. social group in Waconia, um, Minnesota. And and as a way to sort of lay the fa- framework here, the foundation. Why don't you tell the audience what what is how how big is Waconia? What's it like as a community, and where is it in relation to the Twin Cities? Um, great question. It's a smallish suburb um, on the southwest side of Minneapolis, about probably about forty forty five minutes out from Minneapolis, and. Um, you might have heard of like Chaska or Chanhassen, our nearby suburbs as well. Um, Waconia is a little bit smaller, but growing. And we've got a beautiful lake here. Um, and we are a community that is growing in many ways, growing population, growing with uh, different venues coming to town. But I also think, as we'll talk a little bit about growing um, their open minds and inclusivity, uh, at least I think so from from what we're starting to see with this group. Okay, well that's great. And and I would the way I would characterize Waconia is that it it is, you know, it is really into rural Minnesota. I mean, to get from where I live, which is in Victoria, which is only 8 miles to to Waconia, I mean, it's just farm fields in between the two towns. So, you know, and This is true. It, it, 
And and winery. If I and wineries. Out at any given time. <laughs> and wineries. <laughs> I, I might smell the farms. <laughs> yes, and wineries. Very good. <laughs> okay. And we you know, in Carver County uh went for Trump by six um in twenty. Um I think that we hear characterizations that certain parts of Carver County are purplish rather than red. Um and um I'm not certain whether we can say Waconia is purplish or not, but maybe it's getting there with more people arriving. So is that fair, do you think? Hopefully. Okay. Yes. yes. All right. I think that's agreed. Okay. So until you and Elise um, – and, and we should let the record reflect here that Elise is the mom – is she mom of two, right? And she's yep. she's mom. straight and cisgender. I mean she is like an ally with a capital A. But she's – you know, she's, she's not part of the LGBTQ plus, you know, core – group of family. And so the two of you living in Waconia somehow hatched this plan to create an LGBTQ plus social group. Tell us about that and, and bring us along on, on what you've done and, and maybe some of the challenges, uh, some of the successes for sure, and maybe some of the challenges that you've encountered. Yeah, definitely. Um, honestly, Elise and I um, connected Last summer, fall-ish, with a like-minded passion to find and advocate for inclusive school board candidates here for Waconia. We had um, three, four open seats, and we knew we we needed some more inclusivity on the school board. And through that process, it became apparent, um, especially for me, that there are many members of Waconia that either identify with the LGBTQ plus community or identify as allies. And that was huge, I say, for myself, because my wife and I have lived here since 2016. And we we kind of always thought, we got to get out of Waconia. Like, there's nobody uh, else out here like us. We're the gay couple on the corner. You know, everybody knows us, right? And you, um, and you literally do live on a corner, but go on. <laughs> yes, yes, right by the park. <laughs> and so Elise and I chatted about it for a bit and probably was around um, October, November of 2022. So last fall that we just decided to go for it. We're like, eh, this might be a small group. It might be a big group. I don't know, but let's just try We've got nothing to lose, everything to gain for the community, for ourselves, for our core group of people that we're working together to advocate for those um, school board candidates. And so we started the group. It's honestly gone really great so far, I think. Um, We finally have started to find a little bit of rhythm. We hosted our first gathering last November, and then life happened, and we didn't host any gatherings, but we kept the group growing and communicating online, and then we were able to start up the gatherings again in May, and it was great. We had over 60 people attend um, just a meetup in the park for families, And that was really fun. And we officially launched tonight our first of our monthly get-togethers. We're calling them just the third Friday meetups so that everyone can mark their calendar. We might not know where we're going, but we know that the third Friday will be a time we can gather together. Um, Socialize. Our goal is really to make these events a variety of outings. Some will be more of an adult focus. Some will be family focused. And we want to add more to the calendar as the group grows. Um, but the group is already at over 115 members with a primary focus in Waconia, but welcoming anyone in the Carver County area because we recognize 
that this is the first of its kind in Carver County. And we see, we definitely see there being a need for it. And um, people are coming, right? They're asking to join. Um, well, I'm trying for, to think what else. Well, for yep. sure they're Goals, asking. Or not yet. <laughs> uh, well, for sure they're asking to join. I mean, if yeah. we think about it, Carver County is like way behind um, as it yes. relates to LGBTQ plus um, visibility. Um, but we know, I mean, you just said we, you know, we and we know that there are a lot of LGBTQ plus people in, in the county. Yes. And by the way, we should add that somewhere along the line, um, you reached out to me or I, I found out about you and, and, and located. And so, I mean, we've we've interacted a number of times uh, together. Yep. And I certainly have plans to continue to interact um, with with the yes. group and, and be involved with it. Um, so uh, what what challenges have you encountered, you know? You know, honestly, we haven't really encountered challenges as of yet, or at least not the types that I would anticipate. We're a private group for right now. Um, In terms of like on, fa- on Facebook, right? On Facebook, yep. yep. Meaning that um, we're, you know, as admins, we're vetting people to make sure that they are um, somewhat local to the Carver County or surrounding areas and, and have a connection, have a reason to want to be there. Um whether they're an ally or, or part of the community. And we want to make sure it stays a safe place for everyone that's in the group. Um, so that is why we do that vetting. I anticipate as word gets out that um, we might find, might find some people that are maybe have ill intentions trying to join the group. Um, and we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, as far as other challenges, I think the hardest part was um, getting into that rhythm of, when are we going to meet? How are we going to meet? And so one thing that we did, and, and you were there, Ellie, as we hosted anyone that's interested in helping events, um, come join us. We'll have a leadership meeting, and we're going to try and do those more often to just have the voice of people in the group be heard and to take a little bit of the weight off of Elise and I for, for organizing everything, every event, um, every activity that we do. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about the, you know, the greater, you know, kind of picture as it relates to what's going on in America right now about LGBTQ plus people. I know that you just you just got back from a family vacation, right? Um, yeah, sure what what state did the did uh, you and your wife and kids go to? We went to Florida. OK, tell yeah. us what was it like to be down there? And did you, as soon as you got into the state, did you start to feel different? Yeah. Um, My wife, just for context, has short hair. So sometimes is misconstrued as, um, why are you in, why are you in the female restroom? Uh, You've got short hair. You must be a guy. Obviously, we all know that those two things do not, um, I don't know, cross, it doesn't mean one does not equal the other, right? Right. Um, And so knowing some of the recent laws that have been passed, our biggest fear was being in the airport um, and being misgendered when using the restroom. And so we took extra caution to use family restrooms where all four of us went in and out together at the same time. They were made for multiple genders. Um, But I hated that I had, like, this was the first time I've had to think about that when we've traveled. And 
that was a really gross feeling. Um, being that my wife, you know, could prove that she's a female with her driver's license, her birth certificate, it made me think about those, you know, yourself included, Ellie, that wouldn't like would be questioned in a different way than we were. Like we have a little layer of privilege in in that regard, um, and it it makes me sick to my stomach um, because something that should be really enjoyable, going on vacation, not a care in the world you start having these, these second thoughts. Our other concern um, was needing, if we potentially needed medical care, right. um, because they, they had the opportunity there to, if a, a medical provider um, doesn't agree with your lifestyle or what have you based on their religious beliefs, then they can deny you care. And um, so we really hoped <laughs> that we wouldn't encounter that. We were fortunate that we didn't, didn't have to, um, but that was also scary just kind of thinking about that. Um, funny story, Huxley, our, one of our twins, um, really is attached to Mama Jen. And we were walking around the resort. And at one point, um, he was throwing a fit. And I said, oh, Jen, just take Delaney, go back to the room. Well, he's standing there. He starts screaming, help me, Mama Jen. Help me, Mama Jen. No, I no want you. Get away from me. The first thought that came to my mind is what if someone thinks I'm trying to kidnap this kid because he's yelling for his mom Oh my and God. I'm some other female. And so I just kept standing there repeating to, to him, oh, Mama Sarah's right here and Mama Jen is in the room. Well, let's go see her. And I, again, I shouldn't have had that oh, gosh. panic, right? Right. right. Um, so it's just, yeah, different, different experiences for sure than, than we've had in the past. And I'm sorry, you know, I mean, I'm sorry about the the atmosphere in Florida that you encountered. I mean, personally, I'm boycotting Florida, you know. Um, yep. Well, there's, a, there's actually a list <laughs> because it's not just Florida, yes. you know. Right. But, but, you know, the social group, okay, that you and Elise – are trying to, you know, are are getting actually getting off the ground. Thank you so very much for doing yep. that. You know, the goal, one of the goals of that is to kind of break down all these barriers that people have, right? And, you know, yep. for you to be able to attract, you know, 60 people in a park one day and then more than 100 people who sign up to want to be a part of this, don't you think that that just reflects a hunger for for everyone to to have relationships, to get past um, stereotypes, to get past the fear that people have, right? And to be able to have a greater sense of community, right? 100%. I've even been, um, during Pride Month, starting to make some posts that are more informative and educational to share with the allies in the group, but also for those of us that identify as LGBTQ because – it, it's a journey and it's a different journey for every individual. And so I think starting to educate and just make people aware um, of different nuances has been really helpful. And I know that people within the community have been appreciative of sharing that knowledge too. Well, and so you and I have the commonality that we, we live about 10 miles apart, both in Carver County. You know, I'd love for you to share about your experience of just being an out, you know, out lesbian me, as you know, you know, I got elected to the school board um, in Eastern Carver County as a transgender woman who, you know, looks like a chick but sounds like a dude. And I personally have encountered 
almost nil um, adversity of any kind. Mm-hmm. And it is, I mean, to me, it's, it's, first of all, it warms my heart. But secondly, I think it's an important story to tell, okay? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, my, my friends back in Minneapolis where I left, lived for a decade, I mean, I still get emails from them about, Ellie, how horrible is it out there for you? We're thinking about you, you know, and I'm writing back, uh, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely just fine. <laughs> how about you? How about right. your experience in living in, you know, a county where the stereotype, you know, the perceptions would be it would be incredibly difficult for a, a, a queer person to be in the county? Yeah. Um, overall, it's been good. Overall, it's it's really been a good experience. Um, previously, as an educator, I was um, in educate in public education for uh, seventeen years until I left last May, um, about a year ago. Um, it was overall, I would say, like a ninety eight percent amazing experience, very welcoming. Um, just a great opportunity, families that supported me. But there were that like little pocket of people that, you know, are whispering at open house and, oh, that teacher next door is the gay teacher. You don't want your kid in her class. Um, And when I heard that, like, right, I have a couple of reactions to it. My first is, well, if you don't want to be in my class, then I don't want you in my class either. Like, let's just make it easier on you. You can pick a different teacher and and know that everyone's going to be happy. Um, The other part of that is it does hurt. Um, it really stinks because I, as an educator, I, on my public website would put details that described who I was, but didn't tell who I was, if that makes sense. Oh, my family and I live in Waconia. I've got two kids and, you know, some dogs or, or whatever. I've got four kids now and, and some dogs and cats, but it never said my wife and I. Um, if you look at most educators, it's like my wife and I, my husband and I live right. in wherever. Um, and I did that to protect myself and to force people in, in a way to get to know me as a human, which I know is a, a big thing that you talk about, Ellie. Um, get to know me as a human first. Get to recognize my teaching skills and abilities before you say, oh, she can't be a good teacher because she's gay. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. Um so I, I think, like I said, overall, great. I've got some great neighbors that we don't align politically, but they treat me with respect. We have great conversations. They stop by for a bonfire. Um, so it's it feels good. Well, and you know, Sarah, in the old days, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, people didn't have to agree politically, you know. Right. But they could still be yeah. decent and they could even be best friends. OK. Yeah. And so um, and I think that it's uh, well, I think it's a, a sad litmus test if we demand that everybody think alike one way or the other politically. OK. But you're right. You're back to that word respect, though. You know, and I can sit and have a beer with you and laugh with you and, and appreciate that you're a nice person. And now we don't need to get into what's going on in Washington or down in St. Paul at the State House. You know, mm-hmm. you know, the key is, I mean, if you get hurt or if you, you need help, will they come to your aid? You know, right. And I'm assuming they all would. Right. That's the yeah. definition yeah. of a good neighbor. Right. Yep. Absolutely. 
Well, all right. What do you think is in store? I mean, are we going to have a, you know, you know, tomorrow, of course, in Chaska or excuse me, today we're taping the show for airing on Saturday. Today in Chaska, there is, you know, a a pride event. I mean, from three to six. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. not very extensive, but but, you know, see you there. (laughs) But yeah. And well, and and if you want to sit at my table, by all means, I'll be bringing two chairs. So um Perfect. But, uh, you know, what, what's next, do you think, for the, uh, the Waconia LGBTQ plus social group? Yeah, um, great question. We, we would love to host some kind of pride event next year. Um, it will probably be quite small in, in its beginning stages, right? Um, I've been keeping an eye on Hopkins Pride, which Hopkins is a much larger community closer to the metro um and they are having their first pride this year as well and um yeah and so i've i've been watching everything that they're pouring into it and i'm like oh i get a little overwhelmed but i think similar to chaska that we we can take on having um more of a gathering next year we're hoping to continue you know our monthly events adding some more folks to the leadership kind of level of the group so that we have more input and thought. Um, And then one goal that Elise and I have is hoping that members will start to share more events. So they find an inclusive event and they share it to the group for everyone to take part in. It's maybe not necessarily something that is um, sponsored per se by our group, but it's something that many of our members would, would enjoy. Um, and really just to keep growing the community yeah. and community of inclusive individuals. We celebrate everybody for living their true authentic selves and being a place of belonging, of support and of celebration. Well, warms my heart, you know. So here's the last question, Sarah. Okay. Yeah. What made you so idealistic? Because it's not a given that you, you or Elise would go and do this. So what is it about Mm -hmm. your life experience or a role model or whatever made you so idealistic? Yeah. um, Well, I've said before, I've got four children, two of whom are very young. They're just three years old. Um, Being that they have two moms, um, that already kind of sets them up for being quote unquote different uh, when they head off to school and when they head out into the community. But I don't want that to be different. I want that to be normal, if you will, for lack of better terms. I want them to be able to be at school or at the park talking about their two moms and other kids go, oh, well, my mom and dad and I went here. Another kid says my my two dads and I or my mom or, you know, just it to be conversation. I I want to do everything in my power Hmm. to leave the world a better place for them, for it to be more inclusive. Um, I want them, I want their friends, I want their friends' families to be able to live their true authentic selves, treat others as humans first, and just to be able to celebrate Mm. everyone's uniqueness. Um, So. Well, that's a really great, great message. Okay. And I just want to say, because we're, we're out of time, but Sarah Hempel, I want to say thank you for being on LE 2.0 radio. You got a word about this show a little late and I apologize for that. Um, But Thank All you. Good. And thanks to, to Elise, who could not make it today. But but I look mm-hmm. forward to being involved with the group going forward, and I will give it whatever assistance that I'm capable of doing. So thank you. Awesome. Happy Pride 
Yes. And I'll see you yes, later. Yes, thank you. I'll see you later on today. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks. All right, folks. That was Sarah Hempel, founder, the co-founder of LGBTQ plus support group out of Waconia. Minnesota. Not an easy thing to do. Trust me. When we come back from our break, I'm going to give you my C block, talk about a little bit about my experience with my first pride, and then uh, that'll be it. All right. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio. If you like what you hear, go visit my website at elliekrug.com. Thanks. We'll be back. We're back. Ellie 2.0 Radio. Sarah. Oh, my gosh. I told you a breath of fresh air. Okay? You know? And think about it. I mean, idealistic. When I asked, you know, it's about her children. You know, all of us should be working to change this world because of the children. We should. All right. C-Block. Let me just talk two things. One, my first pride ever. Ever, ever, first pride I ever went to was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. It had to have been in 2003. Um, I wasn't out publicly yet. Um, I think I, may, I, I think I went down in my office and just kind of stopped at the pride in Green Square Park on the way back, but, you know, intentionally to stop. And I just kind of stood around and just kind of, you know, kind of in the background just seeing things. And I, you know, this is before I transitioned, before I got divorced, before any of that. And, and I've just got to tell you, it was enlivening to be in a space where there were other people who were other like me. It was incredible. It was. Secondly, to, today, Chaska, as uh, I shared with Sarah as we bantered a bit, um, there's going to be Pride in Chaska. It's going to be at the park by Jonathan Elementary School. So if you're listening to this and if you want to swing by – now, remember, you don't have to be LGBTQ plus to go to Pride, okay? Um, if you want to swing by, come on by. I'm going to have a table. I'm going to be selling some of my books. Um, but, you know, I'd be happy there to come by and talk and you can sign up for my newsletter there. If you're LGBTQ plus and you live in Carver, there's going to be a sign-up sheet for the support group that Sarah just talked about. So we would love to see you. And this pride, you know, is uh, this is the third year that Chaska is putting it on. <clears throat> uh, the first two years it was downtown Chaska at the square, but they're tearing up downtown Chaska right now to do street construction. So this is why it's in the park right next to Jonathan Elementary School. But um, it's also um, a milestone in a couple of respects. One is I think it's more institutionalized now. It's the third year. We'll see how many tables are there. We'll see how many people come. Last year I think they had 300, 350 people come. We'll see how many come. But you know that I'm on the, the Mental Health Advisory Committee for Carver County. I've talked about that before. I've been pushing them in a variety of ways, not only me, but there have been some other – there are other like-minded people on that committee. And uh, one of the things we've been pushing on them to do was to do more outreach for the LGBTQ plus community. I mean it's mental health for crying out loud. 
Um, and so, uh, you know, two months ago, I started making noise. Are you going to have a table? You know, are you going to table at the Pride? Okay, because mental health outreach it would be like a no-brainer to come to the Pride so that people know that you exist and maybe what resources you have for people who feel as if they are other, you know, because it does cause mental health trauma. And so I kept asking. They kept saying, well, we don't know. We're going to, you know, we got to get permission and kept asking. Well, I just want to tell you on Tuesday of this week, I heard that they're going to they're going to be there. They're going to table at Pride. That is big deal, folks. Okay, about getting an institution of Carver County to be at Pride, to be visible at Pride. That is a big deal, and um, and I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled about the fact that they're going to do that. So, you know, progress is incremental. It comes in like small victories because, you know, I'm like doing a high five in the air when I found out that they were going to put a table at, at, at Pride. I, of course, Ellie Krug's life, it's <laughs> pretty basic, okay? Um, but But that's how we make change. We push, we push. Uh, lastly, it's Pride. Why don't you buy my book? Okay, available on Amazon, Kindle, or Nook. Go to your local bookstore and ask them to order the book. Uh, the title is Getting to Ellen, a memoir about love, honesty, and gender change. And the reason I tell you that is because my book, my memoir, is a story about facing adversity and about being able to live authentically. You heard Sarah say, use that word authentically, live authentic. You heard her use that phrase multiple times in the interview. And that's what my book is about. It's about finding my way to finally find my voice um, and be me, Ellie Krug, a kind and gentle human. So there you go. All right. A big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson, who had to do a little bit of math today himself. But as always, consummate professional, like the best in the country. To you, my audience members, here's what I'd like you to do between now and when you hear my voice next. Will you do me this favor? Will you go out and make the world better in some small way? And it might only be you saying hello to somebody when otherwise it doesn't look like they'd be expecting a hello. Okay, will you do that? All right. It's been great talking to you. I'll be back next week, okay? And in the meantime, go out and make the world better. Time out. So long.